Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is, of course, Eric Skwarzynski, and you are, of course, listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. And I'm going to do something I haven't done in a while, which is a solo episode, just kind of sharing some of my thoughts, my takeaways now, 120 plus episodes into the podcast. And uh, also want to give you a sneak peek at a really amazing interview that's going to be dropping next Wednesday with uh, Sarah Edmondson and Nippy Ames. Sarah, of course, wrote the incredible book Scarred about her time within the Nexium cult, specifically DOS uh, within Nexium. And I talked with them about their new show, A Little Bit Culty. I talked about their HBO series, The Vow, and just had a really good conversation. Can't wait to share just a sneak peek with you at the end of this episode, so stay tuned. But first, I want to talk a little bit about something that's been on my mind quite a bit. I've talked about it before, but fundamentalism dies hard. We always want to believe that we're the ones with the answers. We're the ones who have the right uh, way of looking at things. We're the ones who uh, you know, know what we're doing. Everyone else you know, is wrong in some way if they don't agree or align with us. Now, of course, fundamentalism can have good connotations, bad connotations, but I specifically want to talk about that idea of superiority or that idea of holding fast to an idea in a sense of, you know, I'm not going to hear any other position. I'm not going to learn anything from what someone else has to say. I'm going to kind of cut them off. And what I'm seeing that's been really interesting is a lot of people who agree with me about abuse, a lot of people who agree that, you know, the IFB treats itself uh, and every other issue as being too monolithic, treats someone who's off on, you know, in their mind off on an area of music, will cut off that entire person. I see that happen, but then I see people leave and exhibit those same traits. Uh, a, a really good example of this is my recent interview that I did with Beth Allison Barr. Now, Beth Allison Barr wrote the incredible book, The Making of Biblical Womanhood. Now, don't turn off the video because that kind of defeats uh, the point of what I'm trying to talk about. But when I did that interview, I knew when I hit publish, it was going to generate a lot of controversy. 
And rightfully so. It's a very hot topic. The idea of uh, women's roles in the church is something that's been debated, uh, as her book states, since the time of Jesus, and even a little bit before that. You know, I mean, it's it's been a conversation forever. As long as there's been men and women, the question about the role of men and women has been a very hot topic. And so when I did the episode with her, I was well aware it was going to generate controversy, and it was controversial even to me. I mentioned my interview with her that uh, up until this year, theologically, I was very complementarian. I thought that there was, you know, I, <laughs> I was complementarian. And, um, you know, it was through reading her book, reading historical accounts, reading her studies that theologically I would describe myself more egalitarian than I would complementarian now. But there's a lot of people who listen to the show who find themselves in different areas. There's people who, frankly, aren't even Christian. So there's a big, broad spectrum of people. And there were a lot of people that were very, very upset. Here's my thing. I know that not everyone's going to agree with every premise that's shared on the show, especially with how diverse my panel of guests is, you know, how, um, you know, it's just impossible. You're not going to agree with every single episode. But what I would ask for anybody who's listening to the show is just be open to hearing different perspectives. Because the reality is if you're sitting there and you're never going to hear another perspective, you can never grow, you can never change, and you can never learn something new. Now, again, you're not going to agree with everything you hear on any podcast, on any show. Some of my favorite podcasts, I hear things all the time that I personally disagree with. But you can still find things that are beneficial, and you still shouldn't cut people out completely just because they aren't in full alignment with what you believe. Because the reality is nobody fits that bill. Even if you stay within your religious ecosystem, within your kind of personal ecosystem, within your family ecosystem, within your, you know, whatever that is, gender, like you're never going to find people that completely agree with everything you have to say. And that's why I always like to say the statement that we're all default fundamentalists. It would have been very easy for me when I first heard about Beth Allison's bar book to go, Psh, I already know what I think about that. But honestly, by reading it and by hearing her historical, you know, kind of presentation by her uh, showing some of the translation thing, like I was convinced of her position wasn't just her book. It was multiple books. But again, that's just an example. It was me sitting there and going, okay, here's this, this, and this. Now look, I still don't agree with Beth Allison Barr on everything. I see things sometimes that I disagree with. And she would probably see things that I would say that she would disagree with. But the reality is we can sit, have a conversation, and learn from each other and become better as a community by hearing other perspectives and letting that challenge our existing worldview. That's the difference between a cult and a healthy environment is a cult restricts information. It goes to Stephen Hassan's bite model. There's behavior control. There's information control. There is thought control and there's emotional control. But really when you have that thought control, when you say, I'm going to be in this bubble or I'm going to put my kids in this bubble or I'm going to put my my congregation in this bubble, I'm not going to allow them to hear other perspectives and potentially let that influence them or change how they perceive something or how they uh, empathize with a certain situation. You're, you're, you're being cultish in your, your ideology. You're, you're, you're restricting just natural conversation and information that might really have a positive impact. Even again, even if you don't disagree with every, or uh, even if you don't agree with everything, it can still have a very positive effect. So make sure you open yourself up, have these conversations, and push back that default fundamentalism that says, I'm right, everyone else is wrong, and allow yourself to have a healthy way of receiving information, processing it through your own 
kind of worldview and lens and 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 then put pull what's helpful and, and put what's not helpful aside. Now obviously if a worldview is harmful, if it's actually harming individuals uh, like racism or things like that, then you need to completely just shut that out. Like something that's completely hateful and harmful, shut that out. But when it comes to a conversation about theology or politics, any of the above, allow yourself to hear other perspectives. Now, look, I don't want to get too deep into what I believe politically. I wouldn't say I'm far right or far left, but I'll tell you one thing. I listen to a lot of Ben Shapiro. And I also listen to a lot of Bill Maher. And I also listen to a lot of the Young Turks. And I also listen to some of the uh, some of the, the people who are on the on the right politically. I also listen to people who are on the left politically. I listen to Brian Stelzer with with uh, CNN. I listen to uh, you know people who are on all sides of this stuff. I listen to politicians from across the gamut. You have to open yourselves up to hearing different sides and see where you find yourself on the spectrum. When you get into a situation where it's my party versus their party or my religion versus their religion or my personal, you know, this, and you have to make sure that you're pushing back that natural response to be right and to be the only one that has the answer and hear what other people have to say. Uh, Beth Moore actually defended, uh, Beth Alsenbar, uh, you know, she talked about this in the episode. Beth Moore defended Beth Alsenbar because someone who hadn't even read her book yet had made these very strong claims about her. And she said, can't you take something that maybe you disagree with and find something that's helpful to you and and be willing to at least hear what they have to say? And that's what I would encourage all of you to do. Just be willing to hear what the other side has to say and see what you can take away from it. Whether or not you become complementarian, egalitarian, whatever that is, like that's not the point of this video. I'm just saying be open to the conversations and don't allow yourself to be culty. Now, speaking of not being culty, I want to give you a sneak peek of my interview with the host of A Little Bit Culty, a brand new podcast by Sarah Edmondson and by Nippy Ames. They are the the are the stars of HBO's docuseries The Vow, which documents their time in and escape from the Nexium cult. I'm going to show you just a little bit of what that episode's going to be like and you can catch the full episode next Wednesday right here on the Preacher Boys podcast. Thank you so much for watching. And look forward to seeing you guys in a future episode. Talk to you soon. You say in your book, and I think this is amazing. I talk about this a lot with people is the idea of when you leave, you've got, I've always said you have two options. It's like a scary movie. You can get in the car, drive away and never go back to the campground, or you can be the person that spins around and goes and tries to pick up a bunch of people and take them out with you, you know, Um, or you put it in your book, I'm going to go, you can leave quietly or blow it up. And so I guess my, my question to both of you is like, why did you decide to blow it up? Like it would have been really easy to to walk away and say like, that was an awful thing that, that happened. Let's leave it. For both of us, personal responsibility and what we had participated in. Number one, that, that to, mm-hmm. that has to be the number one thing on your, I've been a part of something bad. I need to fit. I need to fix the mistakes. Right. Number two, you don't get to do that. Hmm. You don't get to do that and get away with it and then start touting yourself as this moral company of whatever, whatever punches that we have to throw, we're going to tell the world that you're not that thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And then once we started to do that collectively, we got dragged into a fight. 
Yeah. We didn't have a choice. Claire Bronfman got on a plane, probably a private plane, flew out to Vancouver a month later after the number one person in her company got branded with Keith Raniere's out and well, Keith Raniere's initials. Um, didn't ask how she was. President of the company didn't ask how she was, didn't ask how she was doing. They were all about self-preservation. Mm. And the self-preservation, that meant they had to take care of Sarah and myself and Mark and Bonnie, right? Yeah. Because they knew that we had a lot of influence in the company. We were in positions of leadership. And they tried to get her arrested based on a lie. That's when I knew, okay, this is a fight. This could be the next three to five years of my life, but my gloves are off. And whatever I have to do that's within my power, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to hit it as hard as I can. Mm. And that set us in motion. And really, they set the wheels in motion of their own demise because once the cards were on the table, and this is kind of really what we were betting on, um, they were going to be who we were saying they were far more than what they were accusing us of being. We were just people trying to get away from something horrible, right? And that's exactly what played out. And it wasn't so much that we were right. We didn't know how right they were. It was a blowout. They didn't get a punch off in the yeah. court of law and they didn't even attempt to defend themselves in law. And now they're trying to do it through the media and whatever. Yeah. And nobody's listening because like it's already done. they got the best um, police force agency probably in human history in a civilization investigating them. Um getting resources and evidence. And then they went through a judge in one of the best courts and they had a jury of their peers. They had every due process that's known to man that's done at the highest level that we know in human history. And it was a blowout. Hmm. The jury had to deliberate four hours. They had seen enough that this guy should be taken out of commission and Claire Bronfman should be taken out so they can stop abusing and hurting people. Right. It happened quickly and swiftly. It wasn't even close. So sorry to get kind of whatever, but that's the magnitude of what happened. And yes, we were, you can say we were brave. We were mostly scared, Mm -hmm. right? We were mostly scared making these decisions. We had a lot of lucky decisions, a lot of people that were there to help us. Right. It happened very quickly. We didn't have to do much. They dragged us into the fight. And when, when the evidence came out on the table, they didn't even, it wasn't even close. Hmm. It wasn't even like remotely close that they were going to walk and have any of the charges not stick. So look, you know, it sucked to go through. I wouldn't change it. Um, But we did the right thing. We exposed and saved a lot of people, even though they're not willing to admit it. Um, And it wasn't like we set out to do that necessarily. They dragged us into it. So I'm sure you can call me brave. I don't, really call it brave i felt like okay we have to go fight this fight it's right? the obvious step it's, it's, to do yeah this, we yeah. we have to do this and right. anyone in that situation the situation that sarah now would do the exact same thing sure. we had to go get a lawyer that was going to defend us we had to go to the new york times because they were threatening to arrest my wife hmm. a three-year-old kid like what did you expect me to do yeah right and i know the truth is on my side i'm not running from anything i'm not hiding from anything so you know we made a lot of decisions and then you know, by July, a month after we left, we knew we were in a dogfight and we knew we had to exhaust every single resource we could to save ourselves. The reason we even did the documentary in the first place was because we thought we were going to have to have some self-preservation on tape. Sure. We didn't know we were doing a documentary. I didn't want my personal life to become other people's entertainment. I didn't really want all that. Yeah. You know, it's not like... <laughs> Joy, but in order to vindicate ourselves, in order to show the truth, and all of it was on tape and documented, 
Right. So everything that everyone saw in the documentary, pretty much the court saw and worse. Yeah. Um, they ultimately didn't need Sarah and I for this to convict them. So, yeah. you know, we got lucky. You know, the, the universe was looking out for us, however you want to put it. But for me, it was, you know, I was going to throw whatever punch I, I could throw to to protect my family, number one, and then set the record straight on who Keith Ranieri really is. Sure. So can I can I answer that as well though you're sorry it was awesome I just just went off (laughs) no that was such a good answer you reminded me of some things that I forgot about and I think this is kind of the most exciting if if it can be possible exciting part of the book when we wake up Mm -hmm. and you know then things move very quickly like my mom as you know as a therapist was like I was she was shocked at how quickly I woke up Mm. and some people say deprogrammed or whatever like I was just I went from being like this is you know the bee's knees, then be like, no, he's a sociopath and I am mm. out. Um, Cause I could see it all so clearly very, like all these things that I had doubts about all made sense now. Like, Oh, this is not who he says he is. <laughs> like mm-hmm. He's a liar. But anyway, the, the question being, you know, leave quietly or blow it up. I woke up. I, I knew that I had to extract myself. Um, and I don't even necessarily, it wasn't necessarily an exact moment, but it was recognizing that DOS was, you know, worse than I thought. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.